Today, we have something different. Over the past, what would you say, Diddy Bread, like six months, four months, we've gained a lot of new listeners. Yes. And this is one of the things that makes doing a podcast a little strange, <laughs> is that Diddy Bread and I have been doing this podcast for like three calendar years, mm-hmm. but our new listener friends, or as you call them, the Splainers, <laughs> yes. which gives me a toothache. Yes, I know. Um, They haven't been with us for these three years. No. And what we've sort of done is if you picked up listening, say, this season, mm-hmm. our new listeners have been dropped in the middle of a book. Yes. So we're going to take a second, we're going to pause, and we are going to reset the principal characters of this show, which is myself and Diddy Bread. The first, we'll do two episodes. One will be a half hour interview with Diddy Bread. Yeah, yeah. And then the other one will be a half hour interview with me, uh, the Muscle Hamster. And then these will be permanently available we think that this is important because you don't understand or you the listener would have trouble understanding us and how the podcast works if you didn't understand our points of view yeah it's just going to make listening to the podcast hopefully more uh fun engaging or make it make more sense i guess yeah that's what i'm hoping <laughs> to and, know where and, we're coming from and it humanizes us and i hope it makes it more relatable the best podcasts are ones where you feel attached to the people who do yes, them. I would agree with that. The ones I go back to over and over, I feel like these these are my buddies. Yeah. And we yeah. want to be the listener's friends. We do. However weird that makes you feel. Yes. So we'll we'll try it this way. Yeah, I like this. Let's do it. All right. Diddy Bread? Yeah. You're the first interview. Okay. You feel, how so you I have to like, explain myself. You have to explain I yourself. I feel great. I have I have no qualms explaining myself. I'm an open Book. Yes, even though when we, we discussed this earlier, a little trepidatious. I wasn't trepidatious. I just said it was hard for me to generate this stuff on my own. I'm very good at answering questions, but I didn't want to be like, okay, wait, do I have to, to give my own little set of memoirs here? But I th- I'll feel really great about you asking me questions. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. So give us a brief timeline of your life. You were born Sarah Owen. Yes, I was. Sarah Owen in January of 1980 in a town called Hickory, North Carolina, which I don't remember because we moved to Charlotte shortly after that. And then we moved to Columbia shortly after that. So what year did we land in Columbia? 84. 84. Summer of 84. I was there from 84 to 98. So basically my entire childhood spent in columbia columbia south carolina yep hottest place in the world yes i Uh, mean it feels that way (laughs) i've I've only been there twice everybody says it's so hot like it's hot in this whole state it is it's the geography it's a bowl if you know you know if you know you know columbia peeps know it's a it's a geographical bowl and all the humidity just settles and sits like there's saran wrap over the bowl yeah that's pretty much how it is there But I, but I didn't know that. I didn't know any better. I just thought, like, this is how everywhere feels in the summer. Yeah. And, yeah. and if your argument is it's yeah. hot in the summer in the <laughs> South, know, yeah. Like, yeah. We're not making any groundbreaking no. discoveries here. It's just hotter no. in Colombia. It is hotter in Colombia. Yeah. Um, no, I, I enjoy Greenville for that reason. It's definitely more manageable here. But, yeah. And I you went to the University of South Carolina. I did, Which yep. is also in Colombia. It is. Yep. My parents, um, my dad got a, a job in Greenville shortly before I graduated high school and they waited, you know, to move. And then it's basically that summer after I graduated high school, 
we moved to Greenville and right. I was here for a couple months and then went back to Columbia to do school. And I basically chose USC because of the guy I was dating. I didn't even apply anywhere else. Right. <laughs> I was just like, I'm staying here. This is where I live. This is where my boyfriend lives. So this is where I'm going to school. And yeah, psych major. Didn't know what I wanted to do. I thought I may have wanted to do counseling of some kind. Right. And then I realized, oh, no, I have to go to school for way longer if I yes. really want to do well at this and, yes. and make a business for myself. Uh-huh. And I was just like, nah, I don't want to stay in school that long. So my sister was doing education as a minor at that time. So I was just like, well, I could do that. I could see what that's like and ended up getting my master's in teaching and got a job in Columbia right after grad school, teaching middle school math, the subject that like was my least favorite in school. Right, that's but, how it works. But I love it now because I had to relearn math in order to teach it, and I love it now. And then while you were at uh, USC, you met Jerry. Actually, we don't know when we met. It was definitely before USC. Before USC. It was definitely at least by high school. And we think we may have met in middle school at a lock-in because church culture in the South, like lock-in was a staple. Yeah, sure. Like we have lock-ins all the time. And we may or may not have met at a lock-in. I remember distinctly uh, meeting a guy at a lock-in who was really good looking (laughs) i thought he was cute yeah we ended up talking um on and off for most of the night he had a name tag on that said gary and when i told jerry about this he didn't have memory of exactly you know like what happened at the lock-in but he said you know putting gary on my name tag sounds like something i would do yeah and he has a memory of being in this same location around the same time so i don't know it could have been him but we definitely met by high school he was friends with like we just kind of knew some of the same people right you're on the outer edge of the same circles yes yeah yes indeed and then you reconnect in college we reconnect we were like in a psych class together and i was like hey jerry what's up man and it turns out he had been dumped by a girl he had been dating for several years, and then I got dumped by a guy I'd been dating for a handful of years. And yeah, I found out that he had been into me for a while, and I was into him, and we had never like told each other, you know? Right. We didn't have any hints of that. So uh, <laughs> when, I think it was my birthday. Yeah, it definitely was. I have all this in a journal. Um, it was my birthday. We were down in Five Points, which is like was the right. college hangout right. area. Yes. I guess it kind of still is, but it's like the scuzzy hangout area now. It used to be the only right because right right there next to campus, and now the cool kids go to like the Vista, a where, different where place. Where do I go to have a fist fight? Yeah, that's five points. For okay, sure. yeah, that's, that's my yeah. Move. In fact, we were in a bar that was, you were fist was pretty. No, we oh. were just in a place that was known for fist fighting. But we were, uh, it was a bunch of us, and Jerry and I ended up playing a game of pool, and then we finished up, and he had to go, and he came and gave me a hug, and he was like, "Happy birthday! I hope it was a really good one." And I wrote in my journal that he kind of held the hug yeah. for a little, just slightly longer than a casual, you sure, know, like hug. whatever hug would have been. And I was just like, maybe there's something there. Turns out there was. And he asked me for my number the next time we saw each other and yeah, made his move. Busted a move. Busted a move. And then you and Jerry dated for how long before you got married? Uh, let's see. 
we dated from February of 02 to he proposed in December of that year. So February of 02 to December is like 10 months ish. Yeah. 10, 11 months. Yep. Yep. And he'll tell you. Like, if he was in this room now, he'd be like, yeah, I knew I wanted to marry her when we were on our first date. I mean, he didn't say that. <laughs> That's so sweet. Isn't that adorable? He's so adorable. Yeah. No, we we had both been in such bad relationships that we were just like flabbergasted that it could be as good as it was. And obviously, we kind of held our, you know, um, excitement for a while just to make sure, like, is this just me being an idiot like you're not a make sure he's not like a closet meth head or something. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. No, but yeah, nothing, nothing um, sinister popped up over the next several months. So we were just like, yeah, this has got to be it, right? Like you want to be with somebody that values you as a person and enjoys the things that you enjoy, and you just have fun with all the time. So that's you know, that's why we felt comfortable. And so you get married in 03. Got married in May of 03. And you've been happily married ever since. Happily married ever since. And then, so you guys start out your life together, but you're both in Columbia. Yes. Yeah. He, um, right before we got married, he got a job with Birkenstock and I was teaching. And actually I was in grad school when we got married. I got my first job shortly after we got married. And yeah, I taught. He worked at the shoe shop. Uh, life was grand, you know. Yeah. Like, and then we we moved up here just to kind of be closer to family. And when did you move here? To <laughs> that was that was '06, uh, and we moved to Spartanburg. I don't know how we lasted there for three years. Spartanburg is where dreams go to die. But yeah, we're we're glad to be in Greenville now for sure. I mean, Greenville has its complications. You live here, you know. Sure. You know the deal with Greenville. I it's do. Just like, oh my gosh, uh, so many white people. So many conservative evangelicals, really no concern for things like gentrification and, you know, like you can't rent anything in this city if you don't make six figures, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there are things that we want to be different about Greenville, but we have enjoyed a lot of things. I mean, come on. We live... What? You can see Paris Mountain from my house. We go hiking all the time. Like, there's a lake that my sister lives on that we... Which is, like, 12 minutes from here. Which is 10 minutes from here. It's a pretty... Geographically speaking, this is a really good location. And and there's so many people moving here. It's crazy. This is all true. Yeah. Um, How would you describe yourself? How would I describe myself? Uh Uh-huh. In what way? Using adjectives. (laughs) That's, That's usually how we do it. I okay. You, um, you want to, you want me to put a number of adjectives you can use? Will that make it easier? A number is not helpful. No, I like guess I mean, two, are we talking about two, my personality? Two adjectives. Two adjectives. A uh, two two. Do you want more? No, I no. I just Four have to adjectives? be really careful about which adjectives I choose. I would say that about me. Let's see. Describe myself. I'm an extrovert. Is that boring? It's a boring thing to say about yourself. It's true it? though. It is true. Diddy Bread loves other people. I love other people. I love I love certain <laughs> other people. But I think there's this misconception about extroverts that like all even, extroverts love being around a lot of people all the time. I don't think that's necessarily true. But you'll but, even go out of your way to be nice to people you don't really like. Yeah, that's that's more of a deep seated like I need everyone to love me even if I don't like you kind of situation. Right. Yes. 
I love to laugh. I love to talk. I love to, I love noise. Arguing. I like being loud. I, I can be confrontational if I feel safe within a space. Absolutely. It's not even confrontational. I think what you like is debate. I do like debate. Not not like, hey, I hate you. You're yeah. you're bastard. Like I like counterpoints. You like devil's advocate. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I do. Even if I have no idea what it, what someone's sure. talking about, I'll just jump in and be like, no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's fun. It's fun to, to see what people do when you when you challenge them, even if you don't know why you're challenging them. Um, yeah, I don't know. What else could I say about myself? I'm not a disciplined person, but I'm not that worried about it. I guess. I like entertainment and comfort. Those are like biggies for me. Right. I like to feel good and be entertained by what's happening around me. Okay. That drives me. That drives a lot of my decision making. And I'm not saying that's a good thing right. all the time. But it's but real, yo. That's, that's who I am. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, along those same lines, yeah. how would Jerry describe you? He would probably agree with some of what we just said. He knows I'm a I'm an extrovert. In fact, one of the first conversations we had on the phone, he told me I was magnetic, that I had a magnetic personality that that people are drawn to me. I don't know if that's still true, but I think, I think it is true. It's because you think, you're you're warm is what you are. Oh, is that okay? So you are super warm and friendly. Yeah. I and, try to be. And so like the warm and friendly people are like, oh, this is one of my people. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. if you're not yeah. a warm and friendly person, yeah. like, oh, I can go talk to Sarah. She's warm and friendly. <laughs> right, right, right. So, yeah, I think, yeah. I think if that's the, I think that's a fair description there, Jerome. Okay, all right. So, I guess that's what he would say. He he prefers more uh, solitude and quiet than I do. I wouldn't call him an introvert. I would just say he's, he's a lower level of extrovert yes. where he appreciates time to himself and quiet he can be in the car for an hour and not listen to anything or talk to anyone and he's fine with that i am not that way um so we have very little conflict between the two of us but if there is any at all it's it's sometimes related to that and it's not even really conflict it just kind of is like i i have to come to terms with the fact that he needs more of that yes. <laughs> than I do. Yes. So I'll put a lot of demands on on him as far as like, you're home. I need you to interact with me, you know. Right. And he's just like, well, I need time. <laughs> right. You know. But it has helped that he his job right now is an hour away. It's like he gets some he gets some decompression in the car, which is nice. If he had a five minute commute, I would have to he'd need he'd need some space. He'd right. need like a Sarah proof area in the house <laughs> right, right. that he could go to for at least a few minutes. Um I don't know. I think that's what he would say about me. Okay. The difference between Diddy Bread at twenty one oh. and forty one. Oh wow. Yeah. When we were just talking about twenty one because that's when well that was my that was my transition between the um the jerk boyfriend and Jerry. So 21 for me was a, it was a rough year, but it was good in the sense that I think, I think the things I struggled through at 21 were things I needed to struggle through to become more of a, more of a adult um, and get more perspective. I thought that, I thought that guy, I mean, I thought I was going to marry him. And we started dating when I was 16, you know? Yeah. And so, so much of my identity was wrapped up in that. And I think, 
I, th- I thought the rest of my life was kind of mapped out. And then at 21, I realized like, I, I've got nothing now. Like, right <laughs> well, that's how map. I felt. That's the, right, that's how I felt. I felt like uh, my whole plan had fallen apart. I didn't have direction. And looking back, it's like silly that you would wrap that much up into another person. But that that was part of the culture that I grew up in. For women, especially, it was just like yeah, you secure you your your guy and you, then you're good. Right. right. Also, you don't know any better. I didn't know any better. Right. Of course I didn't. You know, <laughs> yeah. I was 16, like when we got together. And so but it was good because I feel like I went through a lot of self-reflection a lot of meditation, a lot of like, uh, it was kind of a spiritual journey for me, which was good in a way. I was, I was thinking a lot about how none of us, none of us know what's going to happen. We can, we can make plans. And I think making plans is, is a good thing sure, for wise. the most part. Right. Yeah. You, you should have kind of a plan, but the plans I was making were, were just things that there was no way of me knowing if any of that was going to happen. Right. And so learning, I think at that age that it's okay to not know, it's okay to, to kind of accept the possibility that what you thought was going to happen uh, may not happen, and it, your life could look very different <laughs> than what you than <laughs> yep. what you thought it was going to look like. I think that's a valuable lesson, and and I hope that that all young people get some kind of experience that helps them with that. Ideally, you would have you know you'd be in an environment where adults were helping you kind of learn that in a safe right. environment. Yep. And I'm not saying I was in an unsafe environment. It was just very jarring. It was very jarring for me to kind of have to learn the hard way mm-hmm. that like okay, now you're starting from scratch, right? Um but it was good. Uh it ended up being very good. And and like you said, n- going through that experience was was helpful mainly because like yeah, when Jerry came along it was just like, oh, this is different. And right. I wouldn't know that this is different unless I had gone through those other things. So I think my my 21-year-old self was still in development. Obviously, everybody everybody sure. at 21 is still developing into the person they're going to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't even know what the brain science says. Like, what what's happening with your brain at 21? It's still, it's still yeah, becoming, it's still right? Yep. So I think now, I think a big difference now is that I don't, I don't like to think years ahead and I don't even like to really think months ahead. I I like to think about what's happening today, what's happening next week. It's not that I get nervous or anxious about thinking too far ahead, it's just like, I think I've learned that you you can think about that stuff and you can make very loose tentative plans, hold on to them loosely kind of thing, but there's just, anything could happen and you just don't know. like. You could have, you could have a family member that has to go through a really hard mm-hmm. like medical thing, yeah. and all of your plans are now out of the window. Uh-huh. You know, so I think that's probably the biggest thing is just I put so much of my hope into the future when I was that age, and I think now it's just kind of like I'm fine with like letting life kind of hit me, however. However it's going to come, I'm I'm just trying not to put too many eggs into the, all right, five years from now, this is where I'm going right. to be and this is what I'm going to be doing, you know. I mean, I have goals. I have personal goals that are things that I think I could do regardless of 
what my job is right. or where I live. Sure. Right. Sure. So so I try to keep those in mind and work toward those. But I'm you know, I'm not doing things like, well, I want to have X amount of money in the bank account by the time I'm this age right. or I want to have traveled to this many places by the time, you know, sure. like I just if it happens, it happens, you know. Yep. I mean, to be 20, to be 21 and, and scared that you're going to be alone for the rest of your life is a pretty silly thing. But this is just I, I don't know how much of that is Southern culture, but I feel like for for most girls my age and older, if you didn't have a prospect before you were out of college, like a marriage prospect before you were out of also, college. Do you think it's weird you call that a prospect? Yeah. Wait, what is the word for that? I would call that a boyfriend. No, I'm I'm sorry. Like a boyfriend who you who you thought you could marry. Okay. okay. I don't know I don't know a better word for that. Maybe we'll just say it that way. So yes, I think for for girls my age and and older, if you if you made it all the way out of college, graduated and you still had nothing on the horizon as far as like a guy that might propose to you, then you felt like you were in the minority. You're headed towards spinster. Yes. Yes, which is ridiculous. I sure. mean, because if you look at like marriage ages in other places, you know, I mean, I had a roommate who was from Boston and she thought it was ridiculous that I got engaged at 22. Like she didn't say that to me out loud, but I could tell like when I told her that I, <laughs> that I was getting married and that she was I wanted her to be in my wedding. She was just like, are you kidding me? Y'all are getting married. You know, it was just like. That's, no. that's not what you do if you're in Bo- if you're from Boston. It's just like, no, 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 I'm making it all the way out of college and then I'm going to have my career and I'm going to get into my 30s. Right. Well, before I I try to settle down. So it's just, yeah, it, I think it was good. I think it was good the way things worked out. I'm really I'm really happy with how my life worked out so far. <laughs> so, yeah, so far it looks pretty great. So far, pretty great. And that Gerald is a hunk. Uh, right? Like, he's a catch. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you can't have him. I, I try. <laughs> I come over here and try, try and hijack him from you, but never never seem to leave with me. What else do you think would help listeners to know? Um, where are you most comfortable and least comfortable? Most comfortable, least comfortable. Well, based on, you know, based on what we were saying earlier about my extroversion and such things i'm comfortable around people who know me right but people for sure like i'm most comfortable when people are around friends family um you know we have parties here you've been to some of the davis parties i those are my favorite times when when there's people around me that i know and that know me and that accept me right (laughs) and we're we're drinking and eating and having a good time and and there's no agenda and you also enjoy a court holding. You will sit in the kitchen and hold court. What does that mean? You're not familiar with this phrase? No. I mean, I, I will sit in the kitchen. Yeah, you'll sit in the kitchen and, and sort of lead the discussion. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like... Like, you're, you're the yeah. queen and you're holding the court. You're calling everybody in to discuss what you're talking about. I do kind of like... I either want everyone to be involved in in a conversation together or I get uncomfortable when there are many different conversations and I'm not aware of like what all of them are. So if I'm stuck in a corner at a party talking to like one or two people and I see several other conversations happening, I kind of want to be like, all right, pause. What are you talking about? I got to go check in (laughs) with these guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm like a a butterfly. I have Uh to kind of hop around from flower to flower, but you're right. Yeah. And I think I'm least comfortable in the literal opposite of that situation. If I'm... 
I've, I think I'm okay by myself in certain situations. I'm always going to have noise going if I'm by myself. Right. So like if I'm home by myself, I'll have a podcast or music going and I'm comfortable there for a certain period of time. Jerry will tell you I get a little stir crazy. Right. So if I've been home for a long time by myself, it's not like I have to rush out of here and go find people. It's like I'm not even really aware of how it's affecting me. And he'll come home and it'll be like, oh, I can tell you've been in the house too long. Right. <laughs> we need to get you out of here. Like, Yeah. And then, yeah, if I'm in a very heavily structured, regimented, like someone else has decided um, what so, I'm going to be doing for so long like periods camp, of time. Boot yes. camp is not Oh, my good God. No, no, absolutely not. Or like a day, you know how we would have days at school where like there's no kids there. It's like a, a teacher work day or yeah. something. I, I'm fine with teacher work days. But if it's like a we're doing back to back meetings all day kind of work day, yes. like shoot me in the face. <laughs> yep. But who likes those? You know, this is not groundbreaking. Nobody likes sitting in meetings all day. Um, I don't like chores and routines and errands and doing those things by myself is probably my least okay. favorite thing in the world. All right. What are you listening to in your car? What am I listening to in my car? That's a great question. Anything and everything. There's never silence in my car. <laughs> uh, that's, but I, That's usually you laying on the horn and cursing other people drive, yeah, though. Sometimes that is part of the noise coming from my car. Now, I've tried to be really calm. I tried today. I was thinking about it consciously. On my way home, I was like, all right, take a deep breath. Imagine you're on a terrace in Italy with a glass of wine. <laughs> it helped. But I will listen to podcasts or it's it's either a podcast or music i don't know what the other options are that's pretty much all anybody listens to in the car right use the radio oh radio yeah every once in a while i'll do radio i've been doing r&b a lot i was just oh oh i was just doing lionel richie yesterday i just put on lionel richie's greatest hits and i'm just like oh my god i forgot how many bangers he had he had no bangers they were all bangers uh let's see i listened to Weren't we going to do a podcast episode? We were. We still will. We still will. I listen to my brother, my brother, and me because those guys are goofy and they take my mind off of things. Oh, they're the ones who I feel like, oh, you guys could be any guy I grew up with that I enjoyed being around. Just like, they're just silly. Right. And it's like an intelligent kind of silly, you right. know? I don't know if so that makes also sense. Also kind of replicate what goes on at the Davis parties. Yes. That's exactly it. Just riff on and just talk about current events or whatever, just in the most ridiculous ways. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoy that a lot. Mm hmm. Yep. Mm hmm. And finally, do you want to tell everybody why you're called Diddy Bread? <laughs> no, I don't even remember. Why am I? You tell them why I'll I'm tell called you Diddy Bread. <laughs> yeah, I guess I did kind of coin the name. You did. It's, this is your story. So, <laughs> before she was Diddy Bread, yeah. she was Sarah. Mm -hmm. And we, we worked together. So I really liked the UFC. Mm hmm. Do you remember? Do you remember this or no? I no, I do. In fact, we connected on UFC because we, you know, I had been into UFC at various times in my life. Right, you knew a little bit. I knew a little bit. So there was uh, Conor McGregor is the most famous fighter in the world. He's one of the most famous people in the world. Yes, he is. Now. And for years, people because he only fights sporadically. Right. So for years, people had been trying to get fights with him because they would also make a lot of money. They mm -hmm. Wouldn't make as much money as him, mm -hmm. but even being the second part of the fight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of money. Yes. for them. Mm -hmm. So what they would do is they would go to Twitter and they would call him a bunch of horrible names, <laughs> which is because they knew he was going to call them out. Well, because no. they're like, "Hey, I'll just 
I'll just call you the B word, and mm-hmm. then if you want to fight, okay, I got you. Yeah, ship over the contract, <laughs> and I'll make three million bucks. And yeah, the last fight I made two hundred fifty thousand. Okay, like it's a big I jump. See. Yes, got you. Yeah. So there was one guy who is still fighting named Tony Ferguson, mm-hmm. and he was calling. Does he have a nickname? El Kukui. Okay. I believe he's of Mexican descent. Uh huh. El Kukui is like the Spanish, the Mexican boogeyman. Oh, okay, got you. So I like that. He he's been calling Conor McGregor names for years. Yeah. Um, and Conor McGregor wrote back something to the effect of, "Yeah, I'd like to fight you, <laughs> but I got that whiskey coming out, which did come out, and that's that's that Diddy bread. That's that Diddy bread. And you thought that was real funny. I did. I laughed and a then, lot at that. And then when you were laughing. I was like, all right, well, you'll be Diddy Bread. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like I connected with that. It's and an apt nickname. Four years later, you're still Diddy Bread. Yeah. And I think you you started associating. Did, wasn't Diddy Bread also kind of like, I don't know. It didn't have to do with like me me spending money willy nilly, did it? No. No, it was really just the, the tweet from right. Conor McGregor. Okay. And then I, I, got you. I made it up from there. Okay. All right. Yes. I thought it also had to do with the fact that I don't. I don't pay any attention to what our finances are. And I would just like, you know, oh, let me leave a 40% tip on this bill. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> well, that, must, that must be nice. I mean, okay. I forgot that it was just about the tweet. Uh-huh. Okay. Well. All right. Anything else you think the listeners should know? I really enjoy doing this podcast and I hope that you tell your friends about it so we can have even more listeners. That's a good point. <laughs> good good point. place to end there. Yeah, a little plug for ourselves. Um, yeah, we have a good time and I wish I could do this for a living, but we're not quite there yet. We'll get there. We'll get there. So that's it for our first bio episode. Keep an eye out for Michael's episode, which we will release next week. If you haven't subscribed to us yet, we invite you to do that today. Apple users can show us even more love by rating and reviewing us on Apple podcasts. Last but not least, find us on Twitter at splain underscore yourself and say hello to Michael who reads and responds to every single tweet we get. Thanks for listening, everyone, and always be ready to explain yourself. Yourself.